All right, ACC. Man, so good to see you. I want to welcome you in this incredibly beautiful, cool July day. I wore a shirt that just took me away. I'm just going to go, if I could just think of some tropical place to be, that's where I'd rather be. Not, not with you, with you. Let's all go together and um, enjoy something other. And then you just get this remembering thought. We do live in a desert. It's, it's like very appropriate that it's screaming hot in July. So we just have to come to terms with reality and uh, I'm glad to do reality with you. It's good to see you. You are joining us in week six of a series as we're working our way through big picture themes, big rocks in the book of Proverbs. If you have a Bible today, would you make your way to Proverbs chapter 18? You just know though, we're gonna bounce all over the place, but at least we'll start there. So make your way. Proverbs is just uh, past the book of Psalms. Psalms is kind of dead middle in the Bible, so just to the right of that, and uh, have your notes ready to go. Just a reminder, by the way, you have probably had students from all of our different campuses maybe reach out to you and say, could you help me um, as I'm um, raising funds to go on a missions trip? We have two missions trips that leave tomorrow, well, tomorrow and Monday. Tomorrow, a group going down to Mexico, not just to build houses, though they will, but they're going to be a rich encouragement to a, a group that we get to partner with called Caravan Ministries, and they're going to really learn all about big picture global perspective of what missions is all around the world, not just South in Mexico. And then another team leaves Monday morning to go up to San Francisco and to be working in the Tenderloin District with a great ministry that we love called City Impact. So we're partnering with two ministries that are boots on the ground there. I think our total group might be 40, 45 between both trips. So would you be praying this week as students are north and south of us, and just the rich things that God's going to do in and through them as they venture forth. And we're just excited. All of our campuses are involved and represented uh, by those teams. So it's going to be just a great time. Well, I have missed being with you. We've had so many great things as far as themes and communicators, teachers in this series. And when you process that what Proverbs is all about, it's written from the perspective of a son, of a dad to his son. And he's saying, son, pursue of all the things you could pursue of all the things you can make your life about. Like I'm going to go after this, put wisdom at the front of the list. And he compares wisdom to things like a a teacher who will teach you well, compares wisdom to the best prize, compares wisdom to the best treasure you could find, uh, compares wisdom to a woman, the woman uh, wisdom who will lead him in a way that is profitable and valuable rather than left to his own devices. So all of these wonderful characteristics and what we have been working through in our own lives in uh, these, this preaching series is God help us, number one, value what your word says a wise life looks like, and then two, give us feet so we can move towards it. It's not just uh, an information dump. This is what wisdom looks like. It's information that I in turn will go, God, I want to go after that because you say that. That's where the good life is. And so we've been learning a lot through this series, and I'm excited to bring another big rock, another theme from the book of Proverbs. And it's a little bit different. We might kind of think either A, does the Bible really talk about stuff like that? Like, is that really important? Or B, well, I've actually had a lot of teaching. I've had a lot of instruction on this topic. I don't know if I need 
extra help from what the Bible would give me. And it's on the topic of friendship. Friendship is a huge deal in the book of Proverbs because Solomon, as a wise father, knew that the friends that his son pursued, and watch this, and the friends he didn't, would be integral to his pursuit of wisdom because friendships influence and impact our lives so deeply that that's something you cannot navigate with, uh, without some real wisdom and some um, godly thought. So that's what we're gonna look at today. And you think about your teachers. I want you to think on this topic for a second. Who have been your teachers in the way of friendships, like good, meaningful friendships? Some of you had parents who did a great job talking to you, modeling, helping you with, I don't know about that person, or man, bring that person over all the time. We love them, that's a great friendship for you. Others may have not had that influence, but they were observant. And they were watching and watching what good and healthy friendships, God-honoring friendships look like and those that aren't and knew what to lean towards or stay away. But I will say, there's also a good swath of us, and probably all of us at one time or another have learned from the school of hard knocks. And we have moved from one failed friendship to another, and a lot of that failure was probably on us. We blew it, we did not behave well like a friend, did not respond when a friend had a need, and that friendship just kind of melts away. So we're gonna see this today <clears throat> through the lens of what wisdom looks like. And I love it when it comes to trying to make good friends and, and find who someone I should attach to and, and really connect with. I love the way that our nearly five-year-old friend understands it. Take a look. Why is it so hard making new friends? I mean, I have friends. I just think I outgrow them. Bobby's cool, but Bobby eats crayons. We're about to be five. You can't walk around with tickly pink in your teeth. You gotta do better. I used to like Amanda until she said my hair looks crazy. These locks look better in your soul, Amanda. So I met this dude at the park, Jared. Our mommy told us to stay in the sand area. I like Star Wars, he likes Star Wars. Cool, this is my new bro. Then boom, the foolishness. He went to the grass area. I'm like, oh, you rebel, huh, Jared? I'm not about that lie. My mama don't play that. <laughs> Wasn't that great? I just go, man, this guy gets it. It is difficult. People do not act appropriately. Don't have friends that eat crayons. Let me just tell you, that is not cool. So we get it and we understand it. So we're gonna dive in and look at the word of God. I'm gonna have you help me a little bit today with doing some reading out loud from the book of Proverbs. But here's our goal. Whatever your instructors have been up till now, let's open up our hearts and our minds to go, God, let you be my instructor. You be my teacher on really two important things. God, help me to be the kind of friend that a wise person's looking for and help me be on the lookout through a lens of wisdom for the kinds of friends I should attach myself to. And what's so important at High Desert Church when we talk about the incredible importance of relational influence we're about this idea that God has supernaturally, strategically placed you in a, a relational world, the people you interact with, and how we do relationships, how we do friendships is so important, so integral to the mission. 
of who we are and who we're called to be. So that's why this topic means so very much to us. So let's dive in. You've got your notes ready. Number one, as we pick it up, wise people cultivate friendships that are rooted in trust and reliability. Wise people cultivate friendships that are rooted in trust and reliability. These are huge markers to meaningful, God-honoring friendships. This first uh, passage, your Bibles are open to Proverbs 18, verse 24. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There's another translation, the ESV version says it this way, a man of many companions may come to ruin. So here's the point, when you look at what's true so often of Proverbs, is it's gonna take one statement and contrast it with another. Other times it'll make one statement and parallel. It'll say the same thing a different way. This is a contrast. And note the difference, a man or a woman of many friends is going to come to ruin, but there is a, notice the many and the singular, there are in many friends, they come to ruin, but in one friend, in a friend, that sticks closer than even a blood relative. So we kick off right out of the gate, seeing this idea that friendship is really important, and maybe sometimes the breadth of our friendships can be sometimes the problem because they're maybe an inch wide, an inch deep. But when we have that one friend, especially we can lean on and lean into, that person is there for us in significant ways. So this is one of the first thoughts kind of about this idea. And one thing, if you've been around me when I'm opening up God's word, it's really important to me to define the terms. I hate talking about things where I think I know what I mean, and that's think. That's not even always like I'm not even accurate. But even more so, I wanna make sure you know what I mean when I'm saying something. And this is what's interesting. Even defining the word friend is challenging today. Maybe in some ways it wasn't just a few years ago. The basic definition, things you'll find on dictionary.com and things like that would be a person who you know well and are fond of. That's a good working definition. Or I like this one too, someone that you share a bond with. Maybe you have some like in common or something that you participate in together. Those are generally the way we often think of friendships. But one of the things I was thinking about when I was putting this message together was the way that friend has morphed in the digital world. Okay, if you are over 30, there's a good chance that your social media, let me rephrase, if you're over 45, there's a good chance that your social media preference is Facebook. And what's fascinating about Facebook is that Facebook, when you are in a connection with someone, the default term is that you are friends. We are friends, and this is what we often hear, we're friends on Facebook. But here's the fascinating reality. Friends on Facebook may mean I've never even met you in person before and all I do is just scroll through your vacation photos. If I were to even see you in person, I might not even recognize you, but we're friends on a digital platform. That really complicates the meaning of what we talk about when we talk about biblical friendship. But I would say this to the opposite. Some of you, let's go now below 30, some of you have incredible, meaningful friendships with people digitally that would literally be around the world. 
And you would tell me, Todd, this is someone I can talk to. This is, well, talk might be more this way, type to, but this is someone I can express myself and have a, a clarity that I don't often have with people I actually live under the same roof with or go to school with or have a job next to. So just because there's a digital reality doesn't mean it's surface and doesn't have any meaning like this Facebook friend I wouldn't even know in a room. But on the other side, it might mean this intense connection, even though someone else lives in a different country around the world. So friendship is something that we struggle a little bit more to define and understand. But we're going to start from this book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs was originally written in the Hebrew language in this word reya. Reya is used 31 times in the book of Proverbs. What's interesting is it's translated in our English Bible about half of those times as the word friend. And watch this. The other half, the same exact Hebrew word translated in the book of Proverbs as the word neighbor. Isn't that interesting? Friend half the time, neighbor the other half. Part of me thinks this way, in the world in which the book of Proverbs was written, you lived in a very agrarian society, and the reality was is that there were no emergency services that were going to come out and help you if you needed help. But it was the people who lived, and when we say next door, it might have been a few acres away, like our friends in Kansas live in today, but you would be able to get to them a lot quicker, and so neighbors and friends, it was actually essential that you were on friendly terms with neighbors because you would need them, and they would need you. So I thought about a few verses in the book of Proverbs that translate reya as neighbor, and I thought they're just actually really great pithy Things. Look at uh, Proverbs 25, 17. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you and they will hate you. I love that. If you're going to put that in modern terms, what is that? Don't wear out your welcome. You're here way too much, bro. Come on. Go to your own house, right? So I just love it. Like, that's just so pithy and good. Proverbs 27, 14. This one's great. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning... It'll be taken as a curse. Yo, neighbor, 4.30, good to see you. Sun's gonna rise in an hour. Shut up. And I love it. There's another kind of common phrase. Doing the right thing, saying hi to your neighbor in the wrong way is not doing the right thing. And I just love that. I thought they were so pithy and so fun just to see. But let's do this. Let's look at some of the Proverbs that talk about friendship and they see it through the lens of how we demarked it at the beginning through the lens of trustworthiness and reliability. Proverbs 17, 17. It's gonna be up on the screen. I want you to read it out loud with me on the count of three. One, two, three. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Look at the next one, Proverbs 27, 10. Read it with me. Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family. And do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. I love those. Those are powerful. And they talk about both the proximity and the depth of need and connection and reliability towards one another. In a sense, those two verses actually talk about what's become more of an idiom for us, maybe in the last five to 10 years, this great word, family, right? Family, friends that are like your family. 
And those two verses both connected dots to that. There's a friendship that's deeper than even what you have with a blood relative. There's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Friends love at all times. Brothers are born for adversity. These are the kind of depth of connection that the Bible talks about what friendships can and should be. Note, these are not what we would call fair weather friends. When things are good, they're close by. When things are rough, you can't find them. This is not biblical friendship according to the book of Proverbs. Solomon telling his son, don't bank on those people. They're gonna scatter when you need them. Instead, dig deep with people you can rely on. Another one I want you to read with me, Proverbs 26, seven. Let's read it aloud. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. That's powerful. Proverbs 27, nine, read it with me. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Those are two verses I wanted you to see because I wanted you to see the power of relationship positively. We're gonna see the power of it negatively as well, but positively, when you have this kind of biblical friendship that the book of Proverbs, that Solomon was charting out for his son, this is in essence what he said. You don't need friends who are just going to tell you what you wanna hear. You need friends who even with their words would be willing to do what would feel like a wound, but it's for your own good, rather than someone who flatters you just with just beautiful words that you're just killing it all the time. Good friends tell you hard things, and I love that. And we talked about the second verse was advice, how, how incredibly just joyful, how refreshing solid good advice is from a, a trusted friend. So the words and the things that we say to one another are really important. In your notes, there is a sense of friendship not only being reliable and trustworthy in times of meeting felt needs, but sometimes the needs we don't even know we have. <clears throat> a friend is able to see our blind spots and even help us with needs we didn't even know that we had. Now, we're gonna focus most of our time today in the book of Proverbs, but obviously Proverbs isn't the only book in the Bible that speaks to friendship. One of the most significant places where we see this concept of deep, connected friendship is Jesus talking to his disciples, to his friends, literally hours before he's gonna die on a cross for them. John 15, verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Now, I want you to watch this. This is powerful. Usually when we think about a person who literally 2,000 years ago walked the planet and was considered by Jesus to be one of his friends. I don't think that was limited to the 12, but it surely started with the 12. And this is Jesus talking to them in what we call the upper room discourse. And as he's there connecting, watch, both realities are true. Jesus, talk about trustworthy, reliable. He is about to lay down his very life for them and all of us 
at the cross, there is no greater reliability, no greater trustworthiness than meeting the most significant need you and I ever could have. And that was a life that could be reconciled to God through the shed blood of Jesus, his son. So that's what he, that's how he is demonstrating reliability and trustworthiness. But watch this. The disciples, that whole upper room discourse are being prepared for what life without Jesus among them is going to be like post his death and resurrection. He is entrusting to them these words that his father has given him that they are going to be the ones who establish and lead the early church. They're gonna lay the foundation for what we are experiencing today, 2,000 years later. That's like mind blowing to me. But that was the mutuality, <coughs> excuse me, of this friendship and what they were trusting Jesus for and what he was trusting them with. As I was processing this concept of friendship in the book of Proverbs, I could have thought about my own life in so many different eras or seasons or, or just expressions of friendship, but something caught my brain early on. And it was a season in my life, I had grown up for kind of third grade to eighth grade in this incredible metropolis called Ukaipa. Can I get a witness? And, um, and in that time, in the middle of my eighth grade year, my dad got a job up in Santa Maria on the central coast. Some would say an upgrade, not all. But, um, but within that, we go up to Santa Maria and I'm only there for a year. Middle of eighth grade to the middle of ninth grade and come right back to Ukaipa. And all worked out awesome. That's when I met Joanna. Good things happened. Prior to that though, in that year, I move up to Ukaipa. That's a rough time, right? Middle of eighth grade. You've only got a few months left of school with a brand new group of people you don't know. So I was ripe on the one hand to really want to develop friendships, but on the other hand, to be easily <laughs> taken advantage of by people taking advantage of the new kid. And I remember moving in with my parents over Christmas break and literally two doors down. Well, let me show you first. I was rummaging through some things just on the off chance I might even have it. Take a look. This is my Orchid Junior High yearbook cover. So I'm showing you that to say this is legit. These are real people, real yearbook. Todd is not in the yearbook because he showed up in January, but I got a copy and even really cool things like stay cool, see you in the summer, you know, all that neat stuff. Um... But my first friend that I met, literally within a day or two of arriving, lived two doors down from me. And he's a guy named David. Take a look. This is his picture, his eighth grade picture. Now, it is um, fuzzy, and that's the best I could do out of scanning my eighth grade yearbook, but that's David. David was a good guy. We'd go out and throw the football around together. Um, we would walk to the bus stop late when school began in January together. We would ultimately play in the same Pony League baseball um, league in that uh, spring coming up. And just, it was just easy. We'd laugh at the same corny jokes. Two eighth grade boys, there's a lot of things that you can connect on and that was really, really great. And I would love to say that these um, foundational principles from the book of Proverbs were things that I had learned and embraced by the eighth grade and was living incredibly wise. But that was not true. By the way, not sure how many wise eighth graders there are, but I was not one of them. And as we talk a little bit more today, you'll find out I did not relate and not live well as a friend towards my friend David. But he offered himself as a significant, meaningful friend to me. All right, let's continue 
um, as we go through. I think I've got more notes for you. Yeah, number two. Wise people steer clear from those who would lead them down destructive paths. Wise people steer clear from those who would lead them down destructive paths. This is now that thing of wisdom, right? It's one thing to identify and even tell a son, go after friends like these, but it's equally important to say, stay away from potential friends like these. Proverbs 12, 26 says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way, the way of the wicked leads them astray. So as we're gonna see in just a moment, Solomon uses a lot of ink to warn his son, man, of all the people you could connect to, of all the people you could have a friendship with, watch this, of all the people that you could allow entrance into your life to influence you one way or the other, because at the essence, that's what friendship is. Stay clear of these kinds of potential friends. And notice in this first verse that we read, there's talk of how the righteous, how those who are right with God, how they consider friendship important to them and don't just hastily jump into friendships, but thoughtfully pursue, maybe even calculatedly move towards someone rather than just rush in and go, I guess we're buds, right? Like even our video earlier, Jared liked Star Wars, we should be good, right? I think of a second example, I told you of my Orchid Junior High experience. A second example in this category was a guy named Robbie. You can take a look at his picture from our eighth grade yearbook. And, uh, and Robbie was a wild man. I could just tell, I'm, I'm hanging out with David and throwing the football around, doing stuff over Christmas break before school starts. But it was either over Christmas break or early in January, Robbie was in our same neighborhood. And this guy, he was just a wild man, getting into all kinds of trouble and nonsense. And he was the one knocking on my door. My parent come to the door, hey, is Todd here? I want, let's go hang out. And you could tell very quickly from hanging out with Robbie, Robbie loved mischief, but it wasn't nearly as fun unless he had someone to do that mischief with. And Todd was the biggest target he could find. And it's like, come on, bro, let's go do this. And he wasn't unkind to me. Robbie didn't pull pranks and do nonsense towards me. He just wanted someone to do them with towards all kinds of other crazy people in our neighborhood. Crazy's not fair, unexpecting people. And so quickly, as I started hanging out with Robbie, I'm like, man, this is, my life's gonna be all about crime and punishment if I hang out with this guy. This is no good. Like, and, and even to this eighth grade mind who did not know and walk in wisdom, I knew enough to, go to know that's gonna be destructive. He's gonna get me into trouble. It'll be my fault because I take part, but he's sure gonna open up the door and lead me forward. And I just thought I need to distance myself from Robbie. And I did. And I actually made a good decision related to who to move forward and who to move away from. I just wish it wasn't the only good decision I made the second half of my eighth grade year. I'll share more with you about that in a minute. Proverbs instructs us that there are types of friends to avoid. Read these out loud with me. Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse person stirs up conflict. I don't hear you. And a gossip separates close friends. Man, that's powerful. A perverse person just stirs the pot and a gossip separates close friends. Words that just begin to be shared out of turn and cause people to burn bridges. Man, that blows up friendships like nothing else. 
Proverbs 22, 24, and 25, read it with me. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Pastor Kurt used this passage in his uh, week a couple weeks ago on the subject of fools and what fools do. And what you see in both of these is that people who live in a wicked, sinful way, they actually go up and blow up friendships and they cause people to get ensnared because of their influence. That's what we keep coming back to. They don't get to do that unless you Um, give them entrance into those relationships. And when you do, they blow stuff up. Um, When you think about this, I was processing this a little bit. It would be easy to steer clear of people who acted this way. Maybe the first time you saw it, you're like, no, 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 I don't want that. But the reality is, is what those character traits are usually never are just those. Here's what I mean by that. They're never merely only perverse. They're never merely only a gossip. They're never merely only hot-tempered. You're drawn to them, watch this, because they're a funny perverse person. You're drawn to them because they're a popular gossip. That's where often gossip can get you. You're drawn to them because they're influential or wealthy though they're hot-tempered. And what happens is, because of these other traits of who they are, you and I can tend to look past those problematic traits of what they're about and what they do and how they blow things up because we are drawn to the funny. We're drawn to the popular. We're drawn to the influential or wealthy. And so we tend to look past these huge, glaring character flaws so that we can be their friend. And Proverbs, Solomon telling his son, put all that into account. Don't overlook massive character flaws, even if there's other things about them. And by the way, those sinful behaviors aren't just near us, they rub off on us. That last phrase, or you may learn their ways, you'll take on that influence and get yourself ensnared. Now for many of us today, you're right when you'd be saying, you know, Todd, this would have been really helpful a year or two or five ago because I have those friendships. When Proverbs bubbles to the top, people with these kinds of character flaws, I have looked over those and not just looked over them, but actually probably noticed them rubbing off on me because of how much influence this friend has on me. I wish I would have heard that earlier and known to be a little bit more guarded, a little bit more distant, rather than to let them in so far. And I wanna tell you this, related to friendships, whether the kind of friend you have not been or the kinds of friends you should pursue, check this in your notes, God is all about course corrections. God is all about course corrections that you need not keep making the same foolish choices, but can learn from past failures for future friendships. God is all about course corrections. And for you, you here today, for some of you, some of you watching online, for some of you, you need to say, the course correction isn't the next friendship, it's the current one. I've got to back away. 
That kind of influence that that friend has over me, I just have a hard time saying no. I have a hard time stepping up and saying, that's, we should be doing this. And I need to figure out if this kind of friendship is someone I should stay connected to, let this person keep influencing me or start stepping away. And you can do that well and you can do that poorly. But the reality is God always is about course corrections and our lives are all about learning from our mistakes, not just continuing to make them. I promise I got her and her mom's permission to talk about my daughter, Ellie. And this is what I would say about Ellie. I'd say a lot of things about Ellie, but on the subject of friendship, this is what I would say of all of our kids. Ellie's our youngest of four. Ellie has more often than the rest struggled when it comes to friendships and allowing people to have connections to her that are deep and significant and influential that would help lead her towards, not to say that Ellie's pure and never has her own problems, but lead her towards destruction or at least distraction and has struggled with that on numerous occasions growing up. But Joanna and I were so incredibly proud of her this last school year. Here's a girl who's just moved up to the desert in the, towards the, the fourth quarter of her freshman year. And as she began her sophomore year in a school setting that just wasn't conducive to who Ellie is, man, trying to make friends was really tough at school. And Ellie really gave herself to it, really tried. But as she would get connected, and this is the person who is an, the most extroverted person I know. So this was rough to go from a posse of what she knew where she left and to, I'm really trying to make a friend. But as she would make a friend, she would start connecting with this girl and then realize, man, this girl's way too much into vaping. That's gonna be bad. Later on, she'd make another friend and realize this girl was all about getting drunk on the weekends. And it's like, that's just not gonna be good for me. And so Ellie went through an entire school year, basically with just very few, if any, acquaintances at school, nonetheless, deep friendships. Incredibly difficult, but we were so proud of her for going. I've been influenced poorly before. I'm not going to do it again. And she has learned a course correction. Now, by the way, before I paint that story so negatively, Ellie has amazing friends through our student ministries and even our student ministry volunteers who love her well. And we are so grateful for that. She has not been for want in terms of those God-honoring, God-influential relationships in her life. It's school that was the issue this last year. So I'm really grateful for the growth and and, um, just maturity in her life to go, I've been down that road before, I know where it ends. I would like less problems with my parents. Might've been a great motivator. I'm gonna steer clear and go this way. And she is a great hero of mine in that regard of going, I can learn from past mistakes related to friendships and make better choices moving forward, okay? Number three in our notes. And by the way, Ellie, I'll take that 20 bucks later on when we're done, okay? Wise people understand that some pursue friendship primarily out of self-interest. Wise people understand that some pursue friendship primarily out of self-interest. Hmm, what does that mean? Well, let's look on. Proverbs 19.4, wealth attracts many friends, but even the closest friend of the poor person deserts them. Ouch. Hurtful, but true. Wise people understand that others, 
may be true of themselves, but they especially understand that others may be drawn to them out of their own self-interest, not because they truly see value in the person they're pursuing. It's not about them, it's what you can do for me that I'm drawn to wanna be your friend. And Proverbs is thick with this theme. This final example, as I think even back to my eighth grade saga, this last semester of the eighth grade, isn't about another person who either was or wasn't a bad friend. It is all about me and my failure to be a good friend. You see, I knew Robbie was just gonna be bad news for me to pursue and and did cut that off. I had a really just wholesome good friend in David. But I gotta be honest, David was a little bit nerdy. Okay, and you saw, well, it doesn't matter what he looked like, but he played the sax in the marching band. He was into some things that were just kind of like immature. I mean, that's saying a lot from an eighth grade boy, right? But, uh, and it was just like, when I got to school in January, I realized David wasn't a part of the cool kids. And Todd really, really wanted to be a part of that group. So within a few weeks at school and realizing you do a little bit of social navigation and you realize who the cool kids are, it was actually this other kid, another David. He and his crowd that I was really drawn to began hanging out with at lunch, began wanting to do things after school with. Over the summer, we'd play sports together, etc. cetera. This is, this is who I went after. And David, the other David became just an afterthought. I was a horrible friend to him. And the interesting thing is I wasn't a good friend to the other David either because I was drawn to David for what David could do for me. You'll get me in the right circles. I'm brand new. I'm halfway through eighth grade. I don't have time to work my way up the social ladder. I'm just going to go to the top and hang out with those people. I was all about it for all the wrong reasons. And as you process that and you hear me share my story, you're quick to start, actually names and faces are coming to your mind. And you're realizing you're on both sides of that fence. You have had people that have used you under the guise of friendship because they wanted something from you. Or vice versa, you have used them. I'm not really drawn to them, but they can do something for me. So I'm going to try to be their friend. Proverbs says that is a real thing. And this is what I so appreciate about Solomon telling his son, warning him, people are going to want to get close to you for all the wrong reasons. Read these out loud with me. Proverbs 14, 20, read it aloud. The poor are shunned even by their neighbors, but the rich have many friends. What's the motivator? You've got stuff. I want to hang out with you. Proverbs 19, six, many curry, read it with me, many curry favor with a ruler and everyone is the friend of one who gives gifts, right? If you have power, I want to be close to you. If you give away cool stuff, I want to be close to you. Has nothing to do with the character, nothing to do with the intrinsic value of the person. I want what you have. Proverbs 19.7, read it with me. The poor are shunned by their, all their relatives. How much more do their friends avoid them? Though the poor pursue them with pleading, they are nowhere to be found. It's just sad, right? It's like if you don't have resources, people run from you. But if you got stuff, people want a part of that. And as you process that and think about relationships, you know, you know Solomon was giving his son good instruction. 
I was thinking about this concept of friendship, especially through the lens of selfishness. Like I want, I want to be close to you for what you can do for me. And I was thinking about Jesus in a conversation he had in Luke chapter 10. And it was with some people who were trying to identify, they're trying to trip him up in a, a theological trap. Jesus, of all the 600 plus commands in the form, what we would call the former covenant, the Old Testament, in the law, what's the most important? And Jesus, without needing to think, love God wholeheartedly and love people sacrificially. Love them like you love yourself. And so this guy trying to justify that answer says, well, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Whether he's trying to be super smart or just trying to go, because I really would like to narrow that group to a few so I don't have to worry about loving other people. And then Jesus tells the story of what we have come to know as the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan. And in that story, a, a man comes upon another man who's been deeply beaten up, bruised, bleeding, lying half dead on the side of the road. He moves towards him, bandages up his wounds, cares for him, puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn, tells the innkeeper, I'm gonna pay you to take care of this guy beyond what I can do, and I'm gonna leave you with money. If it's not enough, I'll come and make up the difference. He does all that, crossing cultural taboos, while three Jewish religious leaders walk past this man and don't even begin to get close to help. Jesus says, that's who your neighbor is. The person you come across who has need. And what's so wild about that idea from what we've just said, people who pursue friendships out of selfish ambition, what you can do for me, Jesus's example of the good Samaritan, pursue people that other people are moving away from. When people are running from them, you move to them. Just the opposite of selfish ambition, instead, self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice is why I move towards people, not what they can do for me, but how I can serve them. That's Jesus' model of this idea of which Solomon for sure would have said that. That's the kind of friendship we are called to have. As we, I said at the beginning of our time today, as we consider our mission, what we have rallied around for the last however many decades at High Desert Church, that God wants to use us relationally in the spreading of his good news of the gospel. That's how it transfers most often as we see in scripture and just all of our stories. And so friendship and moving towards people, not what we can get from them, but what we can give to them is paramount. It's fundamental to the mission of what we've been called to as world changers. And then motivation comes into this, right? If people move towards others out of selfish ambition, Jesus has said, move towards them out of self-sacrifice. Paul, in a passage I read to you a few weeks ago when we kicked off this series, he gave motivators for why he moves towards people with the gospel rather than away. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 11. Since then, Paul writes, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. Since we know what's come just before that in the first 10 verses of chapter five is what we call the Bema Seat Judgment, that believers will stand before God to be evaluated for how they lived once they had the gospel. 
And Paul says, I'm aware of that reality and I'm living in light of it with a holy fear in my life because I know I'm gonna face that someday. That was one of his key motivators. But read on down in verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Look at this. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. The exact opposite of selfish ambition. We should no longer live for ourselves, but for him, for Jesus who died for them and was raised again. Look in your notes. Our motivation for moving towards our unreached friends as Jesus's ambassadors stems not from what we can gain from them, but from a healthy fear of the Lord related to his evaluation. That's the first blank. This, by the way, this, this um, blank is forever too long on my part. I apologize. Um, related to his evaluation of our lives at the Bama Seat Judgment, as well as from the love that Jesus lavished on us. A love that released, that has released self-interest as a motivator and now lives for the one who died for those, for him who rose for them. We have been released from the motivation of self-interest. We've been released from selfish ambition as though we need to live and get all we can as good consumers do because we live under a whole different philosophy. We live for a whole different motivation. We live for a whole different king. And that king is not us. It's the one who died for us. And therefore our lives are his. And so when it comes to friendship, selfish ambition is the last thing of why we move towards people. Just the opposite, we move towards them in self-sacrifice. Now we wanted to do this as we close our time together which by the way, don't go anywhere. We've got communion after this message and more of our worship team's gonna be up. But as you process this reality, I wanna give you a couple things. I love this. Our teaching team meets every Monday prior to that next week's message. And then our teaching team, we just had a great conversation this week about all this is really good and all this is very true to God's word, but Todd, it's hard. It's hard to make meaningful friends as adults just as much or more as our friend, our nearly five-year-old on the video, and for sure an eighth grader. It doesn't get necessarily easier because we're older. And I really appreciated that they surfaced that. So I wanted to finish by just reminding you of a few ways that we provide opportunities for people to get connected. Connected to our ministry staff, connected to one another in our church connected to the members of our relational worlds that come. Two of the things we announced earlier today were about upcoming events. We have a men's pancake breakfast in a couple weeks. Guys, that is just a great way. If you're sitting here and go, and I'm just gonna push on you a little bit. If you're going, well, I don't have anyone to go with. Can I be a little bit caustic? That's usually what eighth grade girls say. (laughs) I I don't have anyone to go with. Yeah. Let's step out. It's available to you. Come sit at a table with guys you don't know yet. Put yourself out there, go first. Hey, you wanna say hi, my name is. That's a great way to start. Young adults, we have a young adult movie night this Thursday, we mentioned that earlier today. Man, everything that goes around that, beyond what's shown, is an opportunity to connect with other young adults. If you're going, I don't know anyone at this church, that's how you start. 
Another great way to connect is the way we serve in teams. The way we serve in teams at HGC, we talk all the time about the need for us to understand our spiritual gifts, put them into motion by serving other people. The camaraderie that comes from the teams we serve with is so, so great. Because you're in a shared motivation, you're in a shared mission of how you serve other people in our local church. I was just last week hosting at the Apple Valley campus. The, the connections of the welcome team at that campus is just off the charts. They love serving together. Those are the kinds of things that happen when we will do that. And then finally, something that we've been dripping that you're gonna hear a lot about next month is Rooted. And Rooted is a 10-week experience where you step into a sequence of relationships, some you may know, some you may not, and you go to a new level of connection and depth, and I will tell you, we've piloted Rooted twice now with our staff and with small group leaders. Almost everyone I've talked to has said, Todd, I had no idea that I could get to know people in my group to this depth. So I'm just telling you, as you go, Todd, I, I would love to have deeper friendships, especially Christian friends. I've got friends in my neighborhood, friends in my extended family, friends at my job. None of them love Jesus. Cool. So come join us at Rooted. Get dialed in, get connected to some other friends. This is the last thing I want to give you today that is very practical, but I want you to take me up on this. Look on your notes. And at the, the top of two things, I've given you a couple templates. Because this is what I found. We have people who have been significant, who've been meaningful, who have been that reliable, trustworthy, godly friend that we started with today, but we have failed to tell them how much we appreciate them. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of a friend. It could be maybe as a couple, you're connected to another couple. could be whoever. But in that blank, I want you to write their name. I don't have a blank for you. I don't have a note for you. That's where you write in your people. But write a name or write a couple in there and, and, and then text something just like this. This is a template. Do your own thing. But something like, I just wanted to communicate my gratitude to you for being a trustworthy, reliable friend to me. Let them know. I was at a, a conference a couple of years ago, it tasked to do something like this. And it was like, hey, over the next couple of minutes, do this for five people. I just kind of checked out. I sent texts to 20 people that afternoon. And it was so fun to be able to, and to hear back like, Todd, man, thank you. And I love being your friend too, or whatever. It was just a rich time to encourage people that I just hadn't paused to take the time of. Here's what I want you to do. Before you go to bed tonight, I want you to send a text like that to the person whose name you wrote in that blank. And then secondly, before we finish off, I thought this too. Write down the name of someone that God has been putting on your heart that you actually need to move towards. You couldn't say yet that they are that person, that you do have that close connection, but you see all the makings of it. You see the foundation is there. You could be a great connection to them. And so you're going to write their name in and then you'll text them something like this. I was thinking about you today, wanted to let you know how much I appreciate you and was hoping that we could connect again sometime soon. To so just be able to say, hey, I'd love to move closer towards you in friendship. I'm gonna be real honest, that line I just read, if you're a guy and you send that to a girl, she's gonna think that you wanna take her on a date. So be careful the way you write that, okay? But all I'm saying is, think about, and some of you are like, and thank you, Todd. That's exactly what I was looking for. I'm not very good at texting. Either way, the point is, I want you to take something and, and tell someone, in essence, I'd love to move closer towards you as a friend. We're an acquaintance level right now, but I'd love to make a, just a deeper connection, deeper 
friendship with you than we have today. I want you to do that before your head hits a pillow as well. You're welcome to do more, but don't do less. All right, let me pray. Father God, we wanna say thank you for your word. I'm so grateful that there's no subject that's off limits in your word. And thank you that Solomon, as a wise father, knew how important friendships were for his son. He knew what kind of friend his, his son needed to be and what kind of friends he needed to avoid. And I'm so grateful that we have that truth as we process friendships in our lives as well. You may be here today and you would say this, Todd, I have friends, some helpful, some not, but I don't have really any kind of friendship with God. I've got no connection, no, no real relationship with him. I might know things about him, I might be at church, but I couldn't say in any way that I have a friendship with God. And I love that that's one of the, the ways that a relationship with God is um, defined or demonstrated, that we could be a friend of the almighty living God. And if you would say, Todd, I want that though. I wanna move towards him. The best news is God has already moved towards you. Would you A, admit that you're a sinner who needs a savior? Would you be believe that Jesus lived a sinless life? Jesus died a sacrificial death. Jesus was raised supernaturally on the third day. When Jesus called his disciples friends in the last hours before he was going to die for them, he would include your name in there as well because he died just as much to save you, to cover and atone your sin. Would you believe that Jesus is the only savior available? And would you see, choose, choose to put your faith, your confidence, your trust in what God has done for you in the person of Christ, not in what you can do to be religious. It's not about that. And then as you respond in faith, would you choose to say, Jesus, I simply want to live my life following the pattern you've given for me. Father, we love you. Thank you so much that you've even given us the gift of friendship. Help us this week to both be good friends and to draw near to those who are trustworthy and reliable in our lives. We love you and we pray in Jesus' great name, amen.